Tell you where to turn. If I can find it. In Second uh, Peter, chapter one, verse twelve. Um, right after he talks about how. Uh, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. All that stuff that we went through a couple weeks ago. Um, after, I, after that, he says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. We're going to um, go into um, the next couple of weeks um, sort of uh, with that idea in mind. Um, you know, he's basically saying, um, I know that the, I've taught you these things and you're established in these things, but I'm going to keep reminding you of these things um, because it is for your benefit. He's like, I want you to be so familiar with these truths that, that like, once I'm gone, you, like, you still, it's just second nature to you. Now, I'm not saying I'm leaving. I'm not saying, you know, or God hasn't told me that he's taking me home soon or anything like that. Uh, but... Um, what he is telling them is like, don't be surprised if you keep hearing this stuff from me. And so um, don't be surprised if some of the things that we talk about tonight and in the next couple weeks sound familiar to you. Um, and so with that in mind, I want to take this out. Now, I, uh, yeah, Jonathan is excited, uh, which is common. Um, I made up a phrase one Sunday night, um, and I don't even know why I said it, but I remember saying, don't roll the eyes of your heart. <laughs> and uh, I don't even know necessarily what it means, but I, I told the... Um, when, when we do prayer in here from 515 to 545, I told them, I said, I, I'm, I'm worried that as soon as people see this, they're going to be like, oh, okay, I know this already. I've seen this before. I've seen Lou Giglio do it, and he does it way better, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, here, and here's the thing. There's definitely that part of me that, uh, like, you know, like I see all these blogs, and there's all these, like, uber innovative pastors who are always doing all this creative stuff with all these graphics and all these logos and they'll have a sermon series that has like a logo and a theme song and a video that plays before them and all this kind of stuff whatever and so there's that part of me that's like I mean I know I'm not super creative 
Um, not exactly uh, outgoing or exciting or whatever. Um, but there is a part of me that, was, that like, doesn't want to be that guy that just kind of does the same stuff over and over again. And so, of course, I mean, God brings me to that passage where he's like, all right, this is Peter. You know, I built my church on him. Uh, he's the one I handed the, it over to. Uh, if, it's, if, if he can repeat himself, believe me, little one, you can too. Uh, but also, um, I think that there's a reason why um, every, like, every now and then we kind of cycle back to some of these same things, um, believing that, that Jesus is the head of this church and believing that Jesus is the one that determines what we talk about on Sunday, the songs that we sing on Sunday, what goes on in community groups. I believe he oversees all of that. Um, and so uh, we, we had a little dialogue, a little back and forth, a little like, are you sure? I mean, like, these things are like five years old now, you know? Um, and he was like, yeah. And, and, and here's, here's why. Uh, one, there are quite a few of you um, who um, have not been around four or five years. Um, some of you uh, have, have no idea why people laugh when I brought this out, and you uh, are remotely curious, and so uh, I hope that you're not disappointed. Um, but the thing is, uh, it doesn't matter how long ago you had a discussion with someone, or you read a verse about it, or um, you were taught this or whatever, um, you are not the same person that you were the last time you heard this. Um, you are not the same person that you were the last time you heard a sermon on John 3.16, or that you sang Amazing Grace, or that you sang How Great Is Our God. We are, are always growing, and so wherever you are in your life, um, God has, for whatever reason, God has brought this to us because it's going to strike you differently than it did then. And so what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks, we're going we're to look at how this um, impacts different areas of our life. And it's not going to be a series on identity, and there's not like a, you know, like a, uh, thumbprint, uh, like a fingerprint logo thing we're going to have, and it's not like this big, like, I don't have a name for it or anything like that, um, but we're going to use this as a kind of a visual way to kind of, of see how being in Christ and who we are in Christ and the fact that we are new creations, how that impacts different areas of life, how it impacts our prayer lives and how it impacts the way we interact with each other and, and how, it, how this um, really is, is the root of so much. Okay, so tonight we're going to lay the foundation, and um, if, uh, if you're listening by the podcast, uh, like Ingrid, um, I'm sorry that there will be a lot of visuals happening on stage and you will not hear this tonight. Um, just get Louie's thing, it's much better. Um, Louis Giglio did this, and I kind of took what he did and kind of morphed it a little bit, and so um, this is my version of his version of the Tupperware gospel. All right. Look, go to first, uh, first. Go to the first chapter of Colossians. This is kind of where, where all this comes from in Scripture. Colossians 1, starting with verse 24. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions 
for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Verse 27, he talks about um, there's this mystery that for generations and generations and generations there's been this mystery and now God has chosen to make it known and make it plain. And the mystery is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's what all this is going to center around. And so you're going to be throw around a lot in the next couple of weeks being in Christ. Christ in you and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And what this is is basically just a visual that can kind of help us um, begin to understand maybe a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more about what that really means. So here's this mystery that's been, you know, for ages nobody knew what it meant. And now he's like, this is it. It's Christ in you. And you're like, okay, what? But no, no, Christ in you, it, the hope of glory like, that sounds fantastic, but I have no idea what that really means. Um, if, uh, if you grew up in a traditional church, um, maybe as a kid, someone said, um, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? That is, um, I mean, kind of weird at first, if you think about it. But... What that is doing is in a way that um, maybe creeps out little kids, but um, in a way that maybe they can kind of understand is communicating what this verse is saying. There's something about Jesus being in us. Like that's where things connect. Christ in you, as Jesus into your heart. There's something going on about God and inside of us, and somehow these things connect. So here's, here's the deal. Look, look back in, uh, in chapter 1. Verse 13. This kind of goes back to the beginning. Um, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All right, the domain of darkness. NIV says the dominion of darkness. All right, here's. Here's what's going on. All right. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second. I'll give you a topic. All right. Um, this, uh, this is you, obviously, and um, this is going to represent you for the duration of this discussion. We're on the same page? All right. Um, says he's rescued us, or he's delivered us from the domain of darkness. All right? Uh, can, we, can we put that verse back up there, verse 13? All right? The domain of darkness. Um, and here's basically what's going on there. Um, 
way back when we first did this, they ran out of little small Tupperwares, and so we improvised by using a golf ball. Um, and on the golf ball, it says sin. When, um, when Adam and Eve, uh, they're in the garden, God said, you can eat of any tree except for this one. And um, they uh, were tempted, they gave into it, they ate of this tree, sin entered into the world. Um, then they had kids, and that sin nature was passed to their kids, and then um, somehow other people were, were there. We're not really sure how it happened, but because um, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of detail, but basically somehow the world got populated. All right, we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, but the, the problem is everybody came from Adam and Eve. All right, they had two sons, and somehow they got wives and whatever. And, uh, <laughs> but, but that sin nature was there, and it was passed to their kids and passed to their kids and passed to their kids and passed to their kids. And, their kids and um, then, you know, uh, you get to the, the story of, of Noah, and, you know, God is regretting that he created the world, and it's a pretty, pretty dark passage when you read it. So he's like, I'm just going gonna to kill everything uh, except for two animals of every kind and this guy's family. And so the family goes on the boat, the animals go on the boat, starts raining, everything drowns, um, then uh, the waters go down, and they, uh, the boat lands, and they come off the boat, and there's just no telling what was laying around everywhere. Uh, but uh, there's this great, just, this, this great part in the story where Noah has these sons and their wives, and they get off the boat, and um, they basically, they each just take off to the different corners of the earth. So they go north, and they go east, and they go west, and they go south, and uh, and basically, they are like, we're going to go set up, and we're going to start having kids, and whatever. And so then they have kids, and they have kids, and they have kids. The problem is that Noah and his family, they were carrying that sin line that came from Adam and Eve. And so as they, even though everything else was killed, they still carried it. So they went out, and they started having more kids, and kids, and kids, and kids. And, and one day, you were born. And that's basically how you got here. Um, the problem is that from, from the jump, uh, that sin nature was there. And um, so... The sin golf ball would represent the sin nature that's in your blood and my blood when we're born. Um, and so there you are, and there's sin inside of you floating around. See it? All right. Now, uh, you start to look around the world, and remember uh, last week we were talking about the, the evils in the world and that kind of stuff, and how uh, God cursed Adam, and he cursed Eve, and he cursed the snake, and he cursed the ground. And so there's this curse that sin has brought, and so not only is there sin that's inherently inside of all of us, um, but there's this, this world that we're surrounded by that's just broken. It's busted. There's obviously something wrong. And so, um, so then we have like the bigger deal here that also says sin on it. And so here's you, and there's sin inside of you, and you're living in this sinful world. Um, all of us are living in this sinful world. And so um, there you are in there, and you're kind of trapped. There's nothing you could do about it. And so that right there is, that's the domain of darkness. That's, that's the, that's bad right there. And the, here's, here's the problem, is you have, you have God who created this world, and this is the situation that they're in. And God can't be around sin, and so there's this separation. And so we could just put the God, there's the God box, put the God box over here. All right. So here's God, and there's this separation that's there. If he falls, we're in trouble. Um, uh, there's this separation that's there. Now, 
this is bad, here's, here's what makes it even worse. There's not a single thing that you or I can do, uh, or anybody can ever do, to change that situation. And so inside this box, uh, you, there's sin in, inside of you, and you're surrounded by a sinful world. But the thing is, you can try and try and try and try, but you can never change that situation. There's not a religion out there that's going to change the reality of this. You might be able to feel a little bit better. You might be able to find some sort of belief structure that helps you cope with this situation. Um, you might find a relationship that allows you to escape that. You might find a substance that you can uh, sort of abuse every now and then that helps you escape uh, what you think is the... But this is the problem. This is why you look at the world and people abandon their kids at a Walmart in New Mexico, you know? That's the, that's the problem. That's why um, bad things happen all around us. Um, it's because nothing we can do, no matter how good you are, um, I mean, like, I, you know, let's, let's, who's the best person we know? Obviously, Oprah. Um, uh, just ask her. She'll tell you. Um, Oprah, as good as Oprah is, and look, I know I make fun of Oprah. It's really more people who are obsessed with Oprah that I make fun of. But anyway, um, Oprah does some remarkable things around the world, all right? She, uh, is, she's not, like, stockpiling all her money just to make more money. She gives, and um, I make fun of her because she brings cameras everywhere with her. She goes, so everybody sees it. But the fact is, there are places in the world that are better off than they were because um, her money has gone there and made things happen. It really is. Now, this is not a judgment about Oprah's salvation, but you take someone who, is, who does all these really good, charitable, kind things, and they can be the most moral person ever, and they can be whatever. Nothing is going to change the fact that they are in the domain of darkness. Nothing. Because nobody is good enough to get over here. Nobody. And if the story ended there, it'd be a pretty bleak story. And so for ages and ages and ages, according to those verses we just read, there's this, there's this mystery that's there, you know. And, and there's debate about what the mystery was. But, but I, I, I think that basically the mystery is like, how is God going to, he's going to change this, you know. They talked for so long about how God was going to send this Messiah who was going to save everything and rescue everyone and, and make everything better. But, you know, is God's going to do something about this, but nobody knew how, nobody knew when, nobody knew what it was going to look like, and, and they kind of did their best. I mean, you know, they, they had these prophecies, they knew it was going to be a man, and so they did the best they could to, to kind of figure out what it was, and so the best thing they could do, they could relate to, was the fact that, that maybe he'd be a military leader or some kind of political figure or some, you know, something like that, that, that that's how it would happen. Because in their wildest dreams, no one ever thought that what we're about to talk about would happen. You know, who would have ever thought that the solution God came up with was what he was going to do? And so there's this mystery of how God's going to fix this. And so you go back to these verses, and just like it says, he, rescued, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You go back to those other verses, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's basically what happens. Jesus comes to the earth. He lives a sinless life. He dies as a sacrifice for us. He absorbs the wrath of God. He, um, 
Uh, there, there's forgiveness that is ours in him. And, and, and so all these great things happen. And a lot of times it's like, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, you get to go to heaven. But there's, there's something, something uh, there's so many parts of the story that, that are, are in there as well. So he rescues us from this and transfers us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's, here we go. All right. So he rescues you from the domain of darkness. Okay, so let's take this out. All right. The sin that was in you has been replaced. And it has been replaced, according to the Word of God, by Christ in you. Right? That's what it says. So, you take Christ. See, there he is. You put him inside of you. And so this mystery that has been handed down for ages has now been revealed to us, and it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, the story right there is, I mean, it doesn't seem like it could get a whole lot better, right? He's taking you out of this, and now this is your current situation. This is your identity. That's pretty good, right? But it gets better. Um, not only is that the case, if you look in uh, chapter 3, Verse 1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ, is, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, okay? That's your death, all right? For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hidden with Christ in God, all right? So here's what happened. There's Christ in you, but also um, you are now in Christ as well. Okay? So there you are. There's Christ in you, and there's Christ in you in Christ. Got it? And so uh, there are, like, both things are true. We can say, um, say, this is what it means to be in Christ. We can talk about the benefits of being in Christ, how our, life, our lives are, are different because we are in Christ. And we can also talk about how our lives are different because Christ is in us. Like, it's not one or the other, it's, it's both at the same time. And that's what's so amazing is that we walk around and Jesus is like inside us somehow, supernaturally, because God is God, He can do that. Somehow He has put... His Spirit inside of us, but at the same time, we're also in Him, like surrounded by Him. And so, as you go to work every day, this is how you go to work when you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. When you go to Walmart and you push your cart through the aisle, this is, this is how you're going, right there. It's true. You go to an LSU game and you're doing second down dance or whatever, this is what you're doing. This is how you live your life. And there's, there's nothing that goes on in your life where this is not the case. The great things that you do, this is it. 
the not-so-great things that you do, this is it. But that verse we just read said that our lives are, that we're hidden with Christ in God. And so not only um, is this the case, but also this is the case, right? We're hidden with Christ in God. It says in Corinthians that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so, um, so in reality, I mean, you want to like talk about the whole gospel. Um, I mean, this is really who you are right there. Can you see you in there? Let me slide you to the front. Can you see in there? See, that's... We talk about identity. You talk about who I am in Christ. and He who is in Christ is a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new has come, and... That you're a, a chosen race, a, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Once you were not the people of God, but now you are. Once you, um, you were lost, but now you're found. You're a city on a hill. You're the salt of the earth. I mean, that's, that's where that comes from. It doesn't come from clever songwriters or um, really good Christian bookmark designers. I mean, it comes from the Word of God. It comes from the truth of what Jesus did on the cross. And so, when we go back to the idea that there's this mystery, I mean, who would have ever thought that this is how God would fix the solution, would fix the problem, you know? Isn't this just the craziest solution you've ever seen? And they were thinking Jesus was going to be, you know, the next uh, big general, the next big politician, that somehow something was going to happen. Never in their wildest dreams would anybody have thought that God was going to take his spirit, his holy, perfect essence, and put it inside of us. And then surround us by him, and then hide us again, and seal everything to where nothing, nothing can, can get to us. I mean, who would have ever thought that this is how God would fix it? That's why Christ in us is the hope of glory. Because if He can do this, He can do anything, right? And so, if that's who we are, and we say... um, I want to grow in my identity in Christ. This is, this is a very simple um, illustration of some pretty deep truths about us. You might find it difficult when you read Scripture that talks about how God sees you and, and how you are without blemish and free from accusation and that you are presented... It's holy in his sight, and you might really struggle because you're like, you know, I know my life. I know me, and there's no way that those verses can apply to me. But the truth is that Jesus has rescued you and delivered you from the 
existence that, where you couldn't do anything about that. That at one point that was true. But he's transferred you into this kind of kingdom. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how being in Christ and Christ being in us and all this, all this, how does this affect real life for us? So I think we can look at that and be like, oh, that's, I mean, that's the gospel, right? I mean, that's, that's basically, that's the good news, right? That's the, the basic presentation of uh, the Romans road and, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, that's, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That is, that's what we live and breathe and sometimes even die so that people can, can know that this is possible, that the domain of darkness is, like, there's a way out of it. I mean, that's, that's what it is, yes. But this also affects the way that you pray. It affects the way that you um, interact with other believers. It affects the way you um, interact with people who don't know Jesus. It affects the way that you spend your money. Affects the way you spend your time. I mean, I, you, we're, you go on and on and on and on. Everything about us has been affected by this. And that's pretty awesome, I think. First time I, um, first time I taught it, it was weird because I was familiar with it. But it wasn't until like I walked somebody else through it, and I was like. Dude, that's, that's pretty deep. It's simple, but it reaches into parts of my heart and into my mind, and it's so appropriate that it's, this is the hope, right? The hope of glory, of God being glorified through my life, through your life. This is why it's possible. I think we all look at ourselves and we're like, how, how is God going to use me? Why would God use me? Well, who would have ever thought God would do it this way? But maybe this is why. Maybe so that He could use every single one of us to glorify Himself. And so for the next couple weeks, we're just going to build on this. We're going to see how God's Word, you, you, see, you see these truths and this identity all over the New Testament and all over the Old Testament. But I think what God wants us to really do is before we look to the coming weeks, it's to be able to look at this and be like, that's me. Like, really be like, no, 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 no. That's, that's who I am. And I know that's who I am. And I'm not going to live any other way than that. So let's pray together. We're going to sing a little bit more and kind of let God just kind of prepare us for whatever is ahead. So uh, pray with me, if you will. Father, um, God, we are so grateful for, uh, for your rescue, for your deliverance. I think it can easily be one of those things that we hear, we hear a lot and we, I don't know, sometimes maybe it kind of loses its, its impact. 
So God, thanks for um, sending this real simple explanation our way. You know what? It doesn't answer all our questions. If anything, it brings up more questions. What about this? And what about this? And that's all fine, but help us to not get distracted by the questions that come up in these moments. God, help us to, to focus on the fact that you, you didn't let us just sit there and remain stuck trying to get to you but unable to. You, you did something about it. You not only rescued us, Father, but you transferred us. You gave us access to this amazing kingdom where you are the king. And an entire new way of life is ours. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.